This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 138, submission number 090, The Powers of Matthew Starr. The Powers of Matthew Starr aired on NBC from September 17, 1982 to April 15, 1983 for 22 episodes. Quadris, 12 light years across the galaxy from Earth. It was home for us until an intergalactic armada conquered it. I fought by the royal family's side, but in vain. Even their remarkable powers weren't enough. The Crown Prince and I escaped to the nearest planet on which we could survive and further his powers in order to someday return to free his people. Here on Earth, the prince is known as Matthew Starr. He's a typical American teenager. He has friends, people who love him, and me, his guardian. I'm the only one who knows how special he is. Life for us is a series of joys and dangers for enemy assassins constantly come to destroy us. Alone, we must survive. Kids, I'm going to tell you the story of a wandering soldier who is trucking a little child through the depths of space. No, not that one. One involving a mop-top 15-year-old and Lewis Gossett Jr. Well, what did you think I was talking about? I don't know. I thought you were talking about the upcoming star of HBO's The Last of Us. Oh, that's a good reference, Greg. That, I like that it. Is, no, I was talking about the guy who was in Wonder Woman 1984 with oh, that no. crazy-ass <laughs> mustache Life is good, but it can be better. Yes, Pedro, life is good, and it can be better, and that is basically the premise of this series, which finds a pair of wandering aliens trapped on Earth just trying to survive getting shot at repeatedly by other aliens. Sounds like fun. Oh, yeah, it's fun. And I'll tell you right now, well, it goes a little bit deeper, but at the same time, it's much less than it could have been. I like to say that the Mandalorian is basically the powers of Matthew's star if it was given the proper structure. If it didn't involve a cute kid. Hey, Peter Barton is cute. He's no baby Yoda, but yeah. So how did this show come to be? Well, Stephen E. D'Souza, who would go on to create future installments, Supercarrier, you know, supercarrier with the ship and all. And it was developed by Daniel Wilson, 
Harv Bennett, Robert Earl, and Alan Balter. Now, if you don't know who Harv Bennett is, oh, what podcast are you even listening to? What podcast do you even listen to? Because he developed the Mod Squad, among other shows that he did. And not only that, but he was the executive producer on Star Trek's two, three, four, and five. And he was involved in Mod Squad, Six Million Dollar Man, Bionic Woman, and future entry, Salvage One. The hell is Salvage One? Andy Griffith in space. Yeah, yes, and, and that's what? not even that's not that's not even a joke. What? Uh, that yeah, is not even a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's Andy Griffith in space, uh, <laughs> and, and, and he owns uh, sort of like a a, a space junkyard, <laughs> kind of like Sanford and Son. It's like, and, but but it wasn't a comedy though. What? Oh gosh, we lost Greg, and <laughs> Greg is dead. <laughs> This is it involves Andy Griffith in space. He owns a junk company, and it's a serious show. What the hell? He had a pilot and a payload officer and everything. So this was like, what, Firefly before Firefly? This was Firefly before Firefly. All that's missing is... Yeah. And by the way, since I brought up Firefly, I just want to get go away so I don't have to discuss Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon. Anyway. Yeah. Let's let's skip that. Okay. But lest you think that Harv Bennett is the only Star Trek connection, there's more. There's so much more, and it goes so much deeper. In that right, Mike. I'll take your word for it. I want to see where you're going with this. Oh, well, well, we'll go over the episodes later. You'll, you know, see where we're going with this. Yeah, we talked about before the show about the more Star Trek connections with this show. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, so there's more to this than what I thought was a really bad fever dream when I was in the hospital. Huh. There, there are actually good people behind this. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's more than Harv Bennett. Yes. So originally, this show was called. The Powers of David Star. And it had the similar premise to what you heard in the open, which, you know, just saves us about five minutes trying to explain what the show this show's about. Thanks, Lewis Gossett Jr. But we had a baby being trucked through space by a guy named Max, played by Gerald S. O'Loughlin. Do you mean that Gerald S. O'Loughlin, who was on an episode of Auto Man, former installment? Oh my <laughs> God! It wasn't Zippers, I swear. Was it the episode that had Peter Marshall in it? <laughs> I don't know. Get me out of this. So the original premise takes David Starr, who is now a teenager, and all of a sudden he's developing these strange powers. And Max, who is, you know, rearing him as a guardian of sorts, basically has to tell him, son, you're an alien. You're not just any alien, though. You are the long-lost prince of an alien galaxy. Well, what about my parents? Your parents are dead. Oh, that's terrific. 
And instead of random assassins from week to week, we have the FBI, which plays into the whole the government agents are bastards trope. Plus also, this is around the time of E.T. And I just wonder if there's a little connection there in some capacity. Because the government wanted E.T. Governments are bastards. Anyway, it was eventually reworked into the powers of Daniel Starr. They shot a pilot, but they did not cast Gerald S. O'Loughlin in the pilot. They cast Louis Gossett Jr. as the uh, guardian of Daniel Starr. Oh, Peter, I love you. And I love you, Lou Gossett Jr. But when it was ordered to series, they changed his name again to Matthew Starr. Is the first name really that important? Powers of David Starr begat Powers of Daniel Starr, which begat Powers of Matthew Starr. Yes. And they picked up the Powers of Daniel Starr, but they renamed him to Matthew Starr. Which, I don't know what the story was behind that. Maybe they figured Matthew Starr was like the least problematic name. I don't know. Maybe. So, what is... Matthew Starr doing on Earth. Well, I could tell you, but Louis Gossett Jr. pretty much stole my thunder at the top of the show. He's here as a refugee, hoping to hone his powers to a point where he can return and free his people from... They never say. Oh. They never say who the bad guy is. Hmm. Uh, you would think that was important. I guess they figured that later on in the series they'd reveal who the bad guy is, and we never found out who the bad guy is. We never found out who the bad guy. I mean, even in Sliders, we found out who the bad guys were. Yeah, and there the, weren't any bad guys in Sliders to begin with. Yeah, the, it was what those those Cro-Mags or whatever the they Cro-Mags. were. The Cro-Mags. The yeah. Cro-Mags. By the way, Tracy Torme is a genius. Just saying, that's one show we will not talk about on this program yeah not even the sci-fi channel seasons which are terrible so uh alien prince named e hawk now goes by the name matthew star his guardian d high now goes by the name walt shepherd they're on the run from whoever's trying to kill them at the time and it just so happens that the government's also looking for them. And yet, a tale of two series, basically. Because at the first half, they're on the run from the government. And the second half, they're actually working for the government. But there was actually no, no sort of explanation as to why that is. It just happened. Why did it just happen? This is confusing. Hey, Greg. Yeah. I, I have something to declare. What do you uh-huh. to declare? I, I, uh, I'd like to use my money in the bank, please. Yeah. I needed to break up this absolute monstrosity of a show. Oh, by please declaring- do! Yeah, I had to do that by declaring my um, 
desire uh, to use the money in the bank option next week. And what is it? Oh, you really want me to say? Okay. Yes. I, th- this is a show that, oh, it's beloved to me. It's, it, it only ran for six episodes and I, I can understand why it ran for six episodes, but the, the whole series, not just the show, but the entire franchise has a place in my heart. I, I'm talking about a show from 20 years ago. You don't know Jack. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, pl- playing uh, the game would be more CD-ROM game would be more better than this. Oh, well, playing the CD-ROM game with the sound off would be better than this because <laughs> the sound is what makes the entire game. Playing this game without any sound is not really that much fun. You have to have Cookie shooting in interjections and, yeah, and wise-ass I, comments. I know, but playing this game would be more fun than the powers of Matthew Starr. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, oh, well, Playing You Don't Know Jack while being hooked up to an IV and, and having fever dreams would be better than this. Okay. Oh, I just right, want to Ch- remind everybody that this is the product of your fever dreams. Okay. All right, Chica, resume. Okay. So, uh, before, and we'll go over... What happens between episode 12 and episode 13 when we talk about the episodes? But let's talk about the cast here. First, we have young Matthew Starr, a.k.a. E-Hawk, played by Peter Barton. Who that guy be? Who that guy be? Oh, he's just a guy with a nice haircut. But yeah, he was on Sunset Beach for... 167 episodes. He was on Burke's Law for 25 episodes. The original Burke's Law from 1994. He originated the role of Dr. Scott Granger from The Young and the Restless. Oh. And if it makes any difference, Playgirl magazine named him one of the 10 sexiest guys in soaps. No, it doesn't make any difference, actually. <laughs> so it's he's that guy from that Playgirl survey, Greg. Okay. Well, the lady is. And, well, do we really have to talk about what Lou Gossett Jr. is best known for? Yeah. Um, he, he just... This is so crazy, because at this time, he was in an officer and a gentleman. He won the Oscar. He won the Oscar for it. And, guys, you know how, how he followed it up the next year? He did this he... show. No, that too, but he was in Jaws 3D with Dennis Quaid. And you know who else was in Jaws 3D, guys? Uh, Leah Thompson? She was in that too. Mike, do you want to take a guess? Oh my gosh, I've never seen Jaws 3D. I Simon oh, McCorkadale! I... Yes! Simon oh, God. For heaven's sakes! Manimal! <laughs> Jeez. Everything goes back to Simon <laughs> McCork and Dale. Oh, no. I can't wait till we eventually do the episode of the Dukes of Hazard, Simon McCork and Dale was in, where he had a mustache. So Peter Barton and Louis Gossett Jr., they are aliens who may or may not be... They're, they're humanoid, or they may just assume humanoid form. Oh, oh. We don't know. We, can't, we don't care. Hold on. Speaking of Lou Gossett Jr. and Aliens and Dennis Quaid, they were both an enemy mine in 1985. Oh, man, I love that movie. Yes, a powerful movie about friendship. 
Yes. Go see Start. Enemy Mine if you have yeah. never seen it. Yes. Next Generation may have ripped that off for an episode. Just saying. Darmok and Jalal at Tanagra. Anyway! Then you have Matthew's girlfriend, Pamela Elliott, played by Amy Steele, who is on not one, but two Friday the 13th movies. I'm surprised she survived that. But, but yeah. And she was also, through the 80s, a perennial that lady from that thing, because she was... In Family Ties, Chips, The A-Team, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and uh, oh, she was also a Viper, Home Improvement, Diagnosis, Murder. She likes to bounce around. Did she have a? Uh, did she have any other just solid role? In- no. Wait, that's not that's not true. She was in For Love and Honor. But she basically did guest shots and Friday the 13th memorabilia. And then you have his best friend, Bob Alexander, played by Chip Fry. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. No, man, I'm going to have to go to IMDb for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How sad is it that he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page? Well... He was in a couple of episodes of The Incredible Hulk, believe it or not. Oh, okay. But this is basically the best known of his actual resume. Although, oh, oh, yeah. There there are some things that we are not going to mention that he did. Okay. Because, yeah. Okay. But Chip Fry was ba- this was basically the beginning, middle, and end of Chip Fry's career. The first half of the powers of Matthew Starr. And then you have Principal Heller, who is played by Michael Fairman. He he was also a that guy from that thing. Uh, the earliest of his credits was Charlie's Angels, and the latest of his credits is Monk. And he also played Patrick Murphy on The Young and the Restless. His career is storied. storied. And then you have, on the first half of this series, you have John Crawford, who plays General Tucker. And he appeared on the episode, the 100 Yards Over the Rim episode of The Twilight Zone. And played the mayor of San Francisco in The Enforcer, the third Dirty Harry movie. Uh, if you want a more uh, a more regular gig that uh, he did, he uh-huh. played uh, Sheriff F. Bridges on The Waltons for 40 episodes, according to IMDb. Oh, nice. And then midway, and we'll talk more about this when we go over the episodes. I'm guessing Mike's got the episode guide pulled up. Oh, I've already done my research. Oh, boy. We have James Carrot, who plays Major Wybore, who goes around, meets the Quadrians, and gives them assignments of the week, which is just weird. Sadly, James Karen no longer with us. But uh, he has a recurring role as Tom Bradford's boss on Eight is Enough. And much like everyone else on this show, he was a veteran of, of all my stories. 
More specifically, as the world turns and all my children. And that's basically the uh, beginning of the ending of the ensemble cast. But we don't hear much of Pamela Elliott, Bob Alexander, or the principal, or General Tucker after the, what, the middle of the show where everything just goes all pear-shaped? No, wait, I want to mention one more thing about James Karen. Tell me about uh, Just going through his IMDb, I found one credit which I know a number of people who listen to this will actually enjoy. Back in 1987... If you uh, watch Square One TV, everybody remembers MathNet. And actually, one of the, the, the I shouldn't say episodes, it was shown throughout the entire week, was the trial of George Frankly. When when George went on trial, he played the prosecutor in the trial of George Frankly. MathNet is my Square One wings. Oh, Matt, Matt, who does not like Square One? And the thing is, if you don't know what Square One is, you're clearly not 35 or 40 years old. You're, you're a youngster. Go ask an older adult. Google it. We're not here to educate you. Yeah, you might actually learn something. Mm-hmm. So, who exactly is, is looking for Matthew Starr and Walt Shepard? They never say. But it is implied because they appear on Earth all the time, but sparingly because apparently they have an aversion to water. What is this, the end of Westworld? But anywho, I'm sure this will all be explained as we go over the episodes, and if not, then I'm just going to have to die stupid here. Maybe it'll be a giant fever dream to you, too. This already reads like a giant fever dream to me. Can we talk about the episodes? Or is there anything anything we need to bring up? Anything we need to... Uh... No, let's talk I, about I, I think we just need to, to get it done with. Uh, minimize the pain. Uh, yeah, because... Yeah. Because, obviously. Okay. So, the first episode... It's Jackal. A jackal! Jackal! It's a jackal! It looks like a jackal! 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 It's a jackal! Jackal! Time! It wasn't right the first time you said it! Why the hell would it be right the next ten times? God! Matthew Starr appears to be a typical teenager, but in actuality is an alien who is a member of the ruling family of his planet who are endowed with powers like telekinesis and telepathy. When his home planet was invaded, his parents gave him when he was a baby, to one of their trusted emissaries who went on to Earth because it's almost like their home world. And they await the time when Matthew's powers are developed enough so that he can return and lead his people against the invaders. His guardian, who's had to change his name several times, is using the name Walter Shepard. And when an Air Force general shows up, Walt tells Matt that their enemies are also near. But Matt, who's become attracted to a girl named Pam, decides he won't run. So they decide to confront the assassin and discover she's a robot. Later, Walt is captured by the other one and calls Matt to come, which is surely a trap. It's a trap! It's a trap! It's a trap! I'd like to say, we know what two of Matthew Starr's powers are, telekinesis and telepathy. 
I like this a heck of a lot more when it was done three years later as Misfits of Science. You know what? We should cover Misfits of Science. Is it on oh, the list I think already? we're gonna. I think we're it's definitely on the list, do but that. we have we gotta put it on the schedule. Yeah, you know what? Find a hole, put it in there. Yeah, Mike, do that. Yeah, we we gotta talk about Courtney Cox back in 1985. Absolutely, Courtney Cox. I love you. Oh, don't, oh no, so. no, no! I know where it's going. I saw that episode of South Park. Episode two. Oh wait, 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 oh, wait, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait! I've got something to add. I, 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 I thought we were going to add it, bro. Yeah, I thought we were going. Uh, we, we were still talking about episode one. I, I'm going to chime in. There's actually one name. She played a bus driver in this episode, and she went on to much bigger things about five years later. Susan Rattan from L.A. Law. Oh. Oh. Yeah, she played a bus driver in this premiere episode. Oh man, she went. She'd go on to bigger and better things four years later. Oh, totally. Yeah, much much better than uh, Matthew Starr. Episode two, the accused. When a cop is killed while the police were in the middle of an operation, one of the other cops recognizes Walt as the killer. Walt is arrested, and at his arraignment, they produce a videotape that shows that Walt killed the cop. Walt is held without bail. Walt tells Matthew that the man is Walt's counterpart on Earth. When Matthew fails to convince the police they have the wrong man, he goes out and tries to find Walt's counterpart, which won't be easy, because the man's associates will do whatever they have to do to protect him. By the way, this shouldn't be a shock. Fake Walt is played by Louis Gossett Jr. in a dual role. So what? This is basically the 1982 equivalent of a scroll. Yes. An interesting name on in the uh, guest list, Stuart Pankin. Oh, that's Stuart Pankin? Yep. Yeah. But also another interesting guest name that I saw was Lynn Hamilton. And you may be like, who's Lynn Hamilton? I will know when you tell me. She played Donna on Sanford and Son. Oh. Damn right she did. Yeah. And a third interesting name, Carmen Argenziano, who's had, well, quite a career for himself. He's that guy from that thing, but he's best known for The Accused, Broken Arrow, Blue Streak. Oh, okay. So he was in an episode of this show called The Accused. Yes. And he was in the movie The Accused. Yes. I'm going to resist a joke here. Good. Episode three. Daredevil. Pam Elliott is acting in a bad zombie movie. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Matthew finds his old friend Pete is trying to get into the stunt work and is forced to save him time after time. No, that was a movie from three years earlier with Malcolm McDowell and David Warner. I think I remember that movie. (laughs) Maybe that's where maybe that's where Cindy Lauper got the title for the song. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Corinne Borer plays a character named Are You Ready for This? Okay, what is it? Cheerleader. Oh, that's not typecasting was... at all. Oh no. This was before she became a witch and then all paired to a young Allison Hannigan. We'll talk about that later. Oh yeah. 
By the way, Allison Hannigan now in the recently released to, as of today when we record his movie on Disney Plus, Flora and Ulysses, which is very good. I'm going to watch that. It's very good. I want to watch that. No, oh, and we should also add, uh, directing this episode, a name we've mentioned in the past, Bruce Bilson. Yep. And, oh, another uh, guest that we can't really skip here, playing Frank Trenton in this episode, Bill Daly. That Bill Daly? The legendary Bill Daly. The, the legendary Bill Daly from Bob Newhart show and and Match Game and, and other TV shows. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Episode four. Genius. Nerdy student Monica Kraft has created a paint which seems to interfere with Matt's powers. Matt and Walt have to neutralize it before it is mass produced. They also discover that it's unexpectedly explosive. And in a B plot, Matt asks Monica out on a date. Now hold on. Wait a minute. Isn't Matt and Pam supposed to be a thing? I'm just wondering why he's going out with Monica when she created this paint that neutralizes him. I don't know. I absolutely have no idea. That seems sort of counterproductive, but also, as you said, doesn't he already have a girlfriend? Yeah. Maybe it's like Saved by the Bell continuity. Uh no, we're getting we're getting to that. Oh. And interesting note, the director, Bob Claver, whose credits include as a director, Out of This World, Charles in Charge, The Monsters Today, Small Wonder, Leave It to Beaver, basically your whole crappy playlist of your childhood. Oh, that's great. We will be talking about some of his credits in future episodes. And I'm just here to add that playing a security guard, at least in his IMDb profile, he goes by the name Beans Morocco. What? I'm uh, just... I, sorry? I, he, he was uh, credited as Dan uh, Barrows in this episode, but if you look at his IMDb... He uses the name Beans Morocco. Oh, I'm just here to say Beans Morocco. Say it one more time so we can move on. Beans Morocco, next episode. Next episode. Prediction. Matthew's friend Bob is drag racing with hottie Becky Vance on board. He saves them from a crash and in the process sees something disturbing in her mind. The vision turns out to be a prediction. It's not that this show's going to be canceled in six months, is it? Uh, Don't I wish. And playing the hottie Becky Vance is Suzanne Atkinson, who uh, was basically that hottie from that thing. Oh. Yeah. Well, Bob, you tried. And Suzanne Atkinson's most recent IMDb entry is from 1984 so there you go at least you tried yeah true mm-hmm. episode six the italian caper general tucker comes to walt with a mission terrorists led by zialana had attacked an american convoy in italy walt refuses tucker fakes a side spirit trip to italy 
Walt and Matt reluctantly accept the obvious trick. Uh, by the way, we should probably have mentioned this in the beginning, but Walt is masquerading as a science teacher, which gives him constant vigilance over Matt, obviously. Makes sense. Totally. Okay, makes sense. a question here. Yeah. He, he fakes a science fair trip to Italy? He fakes a science fair trip to Italy. I don't remember ever being in a science fair where I had to travel further than my own school. What type of science fair is this? I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I, that's a rhetorical question. Wait, you ne- you never had a science fair somewhere else? No, no. The only, the only science fairs I took part in were at, at my school. Same oh. here. Wow. But I'm then a... again, but then again, uh, I spent uh, half of my life in DOD schools, and they do their best to shelter us. Well, that makes sense. I guess the New York State school system is weird. Well, it, it just it, it just sounds very weird. Oh, for a science fair, we're going to take a trip to Italy. Okay, now I can understand if it's like a state over or two states over, but you're going to another continent. That I, whatever. I I I, I don't get it. But hey, I'm going to just add this: playing the role of Giancarlo in this episode is Michael Constantine, and his name will definitely come up in the future. He played Gus in the uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding series. Relevant to this podcast, he played Judge Matthew Sirota on the 70s sitcom Sirota's Court. And again, since everything goes back to to Night Court, uh, it's said that Sirota's Court was sort of a predecessor to Night Court. I got to say, when you said he played Gus, I thought you were going to say he played Gus in the movie Gus. No, <laughs> he, he, he played Gus in the, the series of uh, My Big Frat Greek Wedding right. Life, the, the whole yeah, nine yeah, years. Yeah. The, 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 my, the, the My Big Fat Greek universe, basically. Do you know what the movie Gus is about, Mike? No. It's a movie about a, goat, a mule that kicks field goals. And oh Don, God! And Don Knotts is in it. You okay. Watch, oh, look- that movie. No, I, 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 I don't remember the name, but yeah, I, I know there was a, a, a movie about a, a field goal kicking animal, and and Don Knotts is in it because yeah, it, well, it's well, loony enough for Don Knotts to be in it. And you can watch it on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, another interesting name, Robert Davi. Oh yes, that Robert Bro- Davi. Yes. But Big Johnson from <laughs> Big Johnson, <laughs> Big Johnson from Die Hard, one of the Fratellis and Jake Fratelli from the Goonies. He was Sanchez in License to Kill, and he was Gordon Vada in The Expendables Three. So yeah, a lot of things going on here, but it only got a two point seven. So we're not going to talk much about it. No, who cares? Yeah, who cares? To quote Mike Francesa, who cares? Get lost. Episode 7. Winning. Football player Tony Garcia is interested in Pam and Matt is jealous. Oh, we're back on Pam now. <laughs> well, the title of this episode is Winning, so that's where Charlie Sheen got the, got the title from his catchphrase from. Okay. So Walt reluctantly allows Matt to join the football team. Matt and Tony get into a fight for a position. And we have another Van Dyke in this episode. This time it's Barry Van Dyke, son of 
Dick Van Dyke. I'm wondering if there's any temptation on Matthew's part to use some of his powers to help the football team win. Like, you know, if he uh, underthrows a pass by 20 yards, does it just somehow magically levitate to the receiver who's waiting in the, in the end zone? Does he use his powers for good that, or evil in this case? I, I'm wondering. Theoretically, he could use his powers, but I know Walt would probably be watching in the stands and be like, don't use your power, Matt. Don't use that power, Matt. Don't use that power. Yeah, but you got to win over Pam. You don't want anybody but infringing Pam. on your territory. But Pam! What did I tell you, Matthew Starr? But Pam! But don't make me come down there. You got to do it for love. He would do anything for like, love. He just wouldn't do that. Like, oh, that's that's 13 years later. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, it's like, but if I don't do this, I'm going to lose to a guy who's playing parts on Franklin and Bash. Oh, we don't want that happening. No. Because Zach Morris is Bash. (laughs) (laughs) Messed up real. There we go. Oh my gosh. He went there. Oh, he told. Oh, he he went there and we let him go. And he smashed it. Yes. Beautiful. My hat is off. Episode 8. Endurance. Walt and Coach Curtis lead the students on a camping trip in the hills. A park ranger tells them about two men who escaped from an insane asylum eight months earlier. Unknown people are stalking the group. That is literally the capsule. You haven't found these people in this forest in eight months? You must not be doing a very good job. Plus, nobody's come to you and said, hey, these two weirdos, they were... You know, stalking me in the campground, you know, you need to go over here. I'm I'm sorry. It's 1982. Forensics has not been far enough advanced yet for them to figure out where people are. Yeah, but people should see them sometime in eight months instead of, oh, well, they escaped and we saw them in the park eight months ago and we're going to just shrug our shoulders like we know nothing. Right. And you know who one of the men is? Who? Spencer Milligan. A.K.A. Rick Marshall from Land of the Lost. Oh. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, he's been stuck in the forest for eight months. He's really in the Land of the Lost. Tell you what. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tell you what. He's no Timothy Bottoms. Chico got it. Because they played the same character on different runs of Land of the Lost. Yes. And he also played George Bush in previous entry. That's my Bush. Yeah. He was also the mysterious loser. He was also the mysterious loser. Oh, he's no Beans Morocco either. Anyway. Episode 9. The Triangle. Oh, this is the big one because... The director this is this... the Wham! episode here. Yes! It's Pam's birthday. Bad news arrives. Her beloved Uncle Ron has gone missing during a treasure hunt. Pam initiates her own mission, and Matt reluctantly joins her. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I was just ready. Did somebody say treasure hunt? Oh, no. Oh, no. 
Where's Jeff Edwards? He's dead and one. he's dead and we miss him. Yeah, I know, but I'm talking about 1982. He would have been doing Treasure Hunt and, and yeah. Starcade would have come shortly after that. Yeah. Emil Arturi's probably somewhere. Oh, and the director of this episode, guys. This is the big one. Okay. Okay. Directing this episode. Leonard Nimoy. Yes. Now remember, 1982, so Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan would have just happened. And remember... He also directed that, if I'm not mistaken. No, 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 no. Nicholas Meyer directed that. Okay. Because and you probably know what Nicholas Meyer directed right after. That's a pun because he directed the day after. And also, he directed the aforementioned Time After Time with Malcolm McDowell and David Warner. But if you remember in Star Trek II, Spock's character dies at the end of the movie. Yes. And then he directs Star Trek Three and Four, And, of course, Star Trek Three. He comes back yeah. in Star Trek 3. Hard to believe that anything could be made to look like the Bermuda Triangle. But bless him, he makes it work. Oh, and, and we should also mention, uh, if you're done talking about Leonard Nimoy, in this episode playing Nyan, not Nyan Cat, not, not, not that cat that has rainbow shooting outs, but, but playing Nyan... Is Julie Newmar Catwoman? What? Yeah, and here's the thing. Walt immediately recognizes Nyan and her companion Bull as members of the Quadrian Court. What the hell is the Quadrian Court? It's the Court on Quadras, obviously. They are messenger. They okay. And the explanation is, Nyan explains that they are the messengers promised in Ehawk's 15th year, and Walt confirms this, telling Matt when they did not come, he chose not to worry. But, they did come, and because Matthew's father is killed, therefore, Matthew is made king of Quadras. And he takes the creed of kings... And Walt picks up the ceremony where Vol is unable to finish. Matt pulls the crystal from the heart of the Kashat and holds it up to the firelight, mesmerized as he's made king of Quadras. Now, the Kashat was supposed to be a birthday present to Pam because nothing says I love you than an alien artifact from your own planet. Well, right? So, yeah, those two were at. So, yeah, Julie Newmar as an alien. Why not? She can play a robot. That's a future entry, by the way. Episode 10. Mother. This is the Wham! episode, y'all. This is the Wham! episode. Now that Matt and Pam are 1982 Instagram official, they go to the carnival, where a fortune teller has a mysterious message for both of them. Matt has a premonition of danger and goes to the carnival to save Walt. And Pam insists on joining him. Now, interesting thing about the fortune teller. The fortune teller is Matt's mother. What? The fortune teller is Matthew Starr's mother. 
But isn't his mother dead? Apparently, we thought she was dead. We know father's dead because last episode. But his mother was apparently on the run from Quadris searching the galaxy for Matthew Starr. What are the odds that she ends up not even in the same planet as Matthew Starr, but they run into each other at a carnival? That, that's she's, a little she, goofy. Yeah, that is goofy. And she's played by Trisha O'Neill of all people? Yeah. Man. It's been so- woman in Titanic. Woman in Titanic. And Captain Rachel Garrett on Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. Because it all comes back yeah. to TNG. Yeah. What is it with with shows that I'm cover, look, following this week with carnivals? Considering I just watched the latest episode of WandaVision at Time of oh, Recording. There's a carnival. Hey, 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 Greg, save that for the next Presents, why don't you? Oh, yeah, I'll save that for two weeks from now, but I will say Cat Dennings Cat Dennings, what a clown Anyway We forgot to mention who wrote this episode Who wrote this episode? Walter Koenig Oh yeah, that's right Walter Koenig Check off Yes so second straight episode with a Star Trek connection. And obviously there is a Star Trek connection with Harvey Bennett producing this. So Yeah. Episode 11, Experiments. The class goes on a field trip to Marine Park. They're guided by leading scientist Dr. Bernard. And Matt hears a plea for help from a dolphin. It's basically free willy, only it's a dolphin instead of an orca. What? Is this like the free Wilsiac episode of South Park? Probably. <laughs> and you know who else is in it? Clyde Kusatsu. Oh, yes. I, I was actually looking up his name. And really, the best way to describe him is he's that Asian actor from that show. It seems like when there's an Asian role that needs to be played, you call Clyde Kusatsu. Yep. Known as Principal Shimada from Family Matters. Oh, that guy! Yeah, that guy. It's like, you don't know who Principal Shimada from Family Matters is? Shame. Episode 12, Fugitives. Dr. Lindsay is testing his new thermal magnetic scanner. Candy Striper Pam pushes Matt to get scanned. Walt is concerned about being discovered and manages to erase the data. Walt falls into a mysterious coma and gets sent to the hospital. Yeah, you don't want them finding out about your secrets. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing of it is, the sort of trigger was a mysterious bacteria that his quadrant immune system is not used to. I could make a comment here, but I'm not going to. We should mention, though, that this is episode 12 this is the last episode of essentially the, the first format of the series. Yeah. Be- yeah, because uh, we have changes that are going to come up on uh, episode 13. 
But also, there's an over one month break between these two episodes. This episode aired on December 17th of 1982, and it came back with the episode 13 on the 21st of January, 1983. So maybe uh, your focus group said something about you know, how to improve the show, and so we're going to go in a totally different direction, question mark? We're going to go for a more action-adventure. None of this high-drama crap. But I like high drama. So, oh boy. The, the, oh god, you know, insert your own joke here for episode 13's title. Matthew Starr, DOA. Yeah, that's what this show was after it got cancelled. <laughs> Major Wymore takes over from General Tucker and sends the guys on a mission. Matthew has new powers, Pam is no longer on the show, and he asks out hottie Carrie Saxon. I guess in that month between the last episode and this episode, he breaks up with Pam, gains full maturity and new powers, and apparently has a new boss that appears out of nowhere. Seems feasible. <laughs> yeah. And actually, uh, one person who guest stars on this episode, and this name... Oh, it might be familiar. Molly Cheek. From It's Gary Shandling's show. From It's Gary Shandling's show, absolutely. And also, a future installment, but also an installment we talked about for the video game show that we did back in December. Family Dog. Nice. Another uh, noted thespian on this episode, David Pamer from uh, Get Shorty and the American President. That David Pamer? That David Pamer. Hey, do you know what else David Pamer was in? Star Trek Picard. Not that too, but you know what else he was in? What else was he in? He was in No Holds Board, where he played one of Kurt Fuller's evil henchmen. Shockass! This is true. This is all true. <laughs> Next episode, episode 14, The Racer's Edge. Caroline Ashley is a hard-charging motocross racer. Her father is a high-ranking State Department official in delicate negotiations. Wymore tasks the guys to protect her from international terrorist Lloyd Stickland. By the way, Caroline Ashley, played by Duran Clark. Not much known about her, except she was in The Warriors. Warriors. Oh, but another uh, guest on this episode, and we've mentioned him in the past, Playing Burnside, Joel Brooks. Right. My sister Sam played Pyramid quite often in the 80s. Oh, and Joel Brooks was a guest star on previous installment. We got it made. <laughs> awesome. Episode 15. Dead Man Tanned. Lymore sends the guys to Las Vegas to investigate crime boss Dan Veets. They infiltrate the casino, which Beats uses to corrupt public officials. Oh, no. In case it's not obvious by now, this show has taken a hard right turn into Mission Impossible territory. On this episode, it seems like every time uh, we talk about an episode in this series, hey, there's somebody who we recognize. This time, playing Wolfson, it's Raymond St. Jacques, and you're like, well, who's Raymond St. Jacques? Well, dang it, 
He played Judge Clayton C. Thomas on future installment, Superior Court. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. I think personal injury court, but not as fake. Oh, no. Yeah, basically. Oh, you know who played a technician on this episode? Joe Howard. George Franklin. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm looking at the picture now. Yeah, that's George Franklin, son of a gun. Yep. Episode 16. 36 hours. Parkland Space Center takes over guidance control for the space shuttle landing. Terrorists attack and steal the guidance module. The center has 36 hours to recover the module before the shuttle crashes. Wybor calls in his boys, Matt and Walt. Because of course he does. Episode 17. The Quadrian Caper. Wybor has a personal mission. His nephew had borrowed a diamond necklace from a safety deposit box to save his animal shelter. Newly released criminal Deke Griffin joins his late partner's daughter, Donna, to break into the bank vault. Uh, Deke Griffin, by the way, played by Dennis Lipscomb, who is known as Watson in War Games. Yeah, and he also played a judge in the short-lived The Guardian. His daughter, Donna, was played by Laura Johnson, who is known as that lady from that thing. Alice's mom in the Fame movie reboot from 2009. Okay. And Wymore's nephew is Gary Imhoff, who, yeah, we not much is known about that guy. Yeah, let's let's move on, shall we? Episode 18, Brain Drain. Brilliant minds have been defecting to unfriendly countries. Oh, gosh. Welcome to the 80s, folks. Wymore sends the guys to investigate missing scientist Pierce Benton. Pierce has found love with a computer dating service. Weston uses beautiful women to drug the genius men. This is the episode I saw when I was in the hospital. Oh, so this is the episode that thought made you think that you were in a fever dream this is the episode which i thought was some sort of hallucination inspired by uh very heavy doses of antibiotics yes and really when i saw this episode now mind you uh i had uh gotten surgery uh pretty much like 48 hours earlier actually less than that and again, I was on heavy doses of, of very strong antibiotics. This was on like five in the morning at that point. And I'm like, okay, what is the point of this? What's the plot? It seemed rather stupid. Oh, Maybe well, they- you know what your problem is? You caught it at the tail end of the series instead of the beginning. Well, then that may very well be a great point, but it's it was just very weird and really Matthew Starr didn't use many of his powers in this episode. Uh, There's two that come to mind. One was he was playing cards with Walt and he turned all of Walt's cards blank for whatever reason. Again, I was heavily dosed on antibiotics at the point at that time, but also second in the, uh, with the dating company, 
Matthew used his powers, his his telepathy powers, to mysteriously grab a file from the uh, the, uh, uh, the the the, the file. Uh, what would you call it? The um, uh, cabinet. The file. Yeah, it was more or less like well, a file it was, cabinet. It was a computer. It was it, well. It would have to be a computerized file cabinet because. It's a computerized dating service. Well, it could be computer cards, but but the thing is, they uh, it, uh, he uses telepathy to grab this file from not a normal filing cabinet. I would almost equate it to li- like when you go to the doctor or a dentist, where it's like an open file cabinet with all uh, like the the first letters of the uh, the the client's name on the uh, folder. You know what I'm talking about. You you're a pro in the business. Yeah, it, it, it was those types of file cabinets. It wasn't like your file cabinet you might see in an office where you have to hold down a button and then open the drawer. Yeah, so, I know, I know the, what you're talking so, about. Yeah, so th- those are the only powers I remember seeing being used. So it's like, why is it called the powers of Matthew Starr if, okay, one is to deceive your guardian playing cards and, and the other is just to be sneaky to to, to grab a, a file uh while a secretary is at work at this uh, dating company service. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Now you can see why I thought this is one giant fever dream back in October. Oh, it's about to get crazy. We're about to venture into crazy town here. Oh, no. Episode 19, The Great Waldo Shepherd. The plane is stolen to be used for gun running. Unbeknownst to the criminals, they've also stolen a briefcase full of NATO secrets. The only clue is a patch for Lucky Lindy Air Show. Matt and Walt infiltrate the air show as the new wing walker. So apparently his new powers involve wing walking. Yeah, it seems like the last half of these episodes... They've sort of doubled down on the goofiness. Yeah. Maybe not goofiness. Maybe I should say absurdity. Absurdity. Yeah. It's basically, uh, okay, what sort of hijinks can we put Matt and Walt in week after week instead of, you know, story development? You remember story development, right? Yes. It's like, I, I bet during one of these missions... Matt's just looking at Walt, and Walt's just looking at Matt, and, and he's thinking, why are we even here? Didn't I used to go to high school? Maybe he was Beans Baxter five years early. Oh, boy. I'm sorry, just had to throw that out there. Episode <laughs> 20. The Road Rebels. A warehouse is robbed. Wybor suspects a gang of youths with inside police info. Wybor sends in Walt as a cop. And Matt goes undercover as a violent criminal. An interesting name that appears in this episode is John Grise. You remember from the first two seasons of Martin and also Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, he was Uncle Rico. Yep. Oh. You know, if Coach had put him in the fourth quarter, they would have been Saint champs, no doubt. Yep. Episode 21, which, for all intents and purposes, is the last episode, for all intents and purposes. Swords and Quests. Does this remind you of anything? 
A toy company sponsors a Swords and Quest game with sinister motives. Unbeknownst to the gamers, one of the players is killed. Matt is eager to join and replaces the missing player. Walt is suspicious and investigates. I want to add, and this is something I noticed and, and told uh, both uh, Chico and Greg about uh, before we recorded the show. If you look at the ratings for each individual episode of this series, every single episode has no more, actually less, I should say, than four stars out of 10 on IMDb. This episode has an 8.4 out of 10 rating. Well, who directed this episode, Mike? Well, that, that's a good point. I was also going to say, since this is technically the last episode, maybe everybody was just so happy that it's it's gone forever. Well, but but directing the episode, I, uh, uh, yes. Say it, Greg. The, the, this is great. Lou Gossett Jr. directed the episode. He's like, screw this. I'm gonna show y'all how it's done. That's why it's rated eight point four out of ten. On IMTV. Well, also, I, I made the connection earlier talking about swords and quests. Boy, that sounds an awful lot like something that was very hot in the early 80s. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, Does yeah. this remind you of anything? Yeah. I think I, I think Gary Gygax would have something to say about that. Yeah. I, bet you, I bet you, though, the kids from Stranger Things loved this episode. Probably. Maybe they gave it the eight point four stars. Who knows? <laughs> maybe the maybe the grown up versions of the kids from Stranger Things at this point were like <laughs> given this eight point four. Maybe this is what inspired them. Maybe. Who knows? For some reason, the original pilot was the last aired episode. Yeah, I don't know why. Let's go out with a bang. Here we go. Or a whimper. Or a... Eh. Episode 22, Star Night. Matthew is an orphan who lives with Max, the handyman at his high school. His classmates know him as David. One morning, his school bus careens out of control. Matthew emits a mysterious glow and stops the bus just before it plunges off a cliff. Later in the science class, he again begins manifesting telekinetic powers until Max distracts the class. Friday evening, Matthew has dinner with his girlfriend and her parents. After dinner, he suddenly begins hearing his parents' thought and pleas. She follows him, and when they kiss, his powers manifest again, kinky, affecting her in some mysterious way. Matthew runs again, shattering store windows and inflicting other damage, returning home. Max calls him son, but Matthew rebukes him. Saturday night, Matthew attends a father-son school dinner alone, a prank by Scotty results in a massive fire, and Max, whom Scotty called in, becomes trapped. Matthew telekinetically frees the trapped attendees and returns to rescue Max. He introduces Max to his girlfriend's father as his dad. Meanwhile, a mysterious government agent who witnessed Matthew's arrival on Earth 15 years earlier is closing in. And none of that matters because that all gets ignored in the series. Yes. Yeah, the, the only thing of value in this episode, at least uh, in my opinion, is pl uh, who played the coach in this episode. And, and, and I'm going to assume it's a basketball coach because once you hear the name, you should make the connection. And apparently, according to IMDb, 
this is his only credit outside of a couple of very famous commercials from the 80s. Who would that be? Tommy Heinsohn, who is a Hall of Fame basketball player and coach, played for the Celtics, and actually his number 15 got retired by the Celtics and uh, recently passed away, unfortunately, back in November of 2020. Yeah. Very sad. But but absolute, when I saw that, it's like, Tommy Heinsohn, what has he done? Because he would have been associated with uh, the, the NBA on CBS at that point. But also, he had been associated with the Celtics since back in his playing days. We're talking the late 50s. And he was also a coach on the Celtics. I believe he was the coach of the 76 team that won the title over Phoenix. If I'm not mistaken, oh, oh, yeah, like- he, he was definitely coach. Uh, yeah, the 76 team that that beat uh, Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. And it looks like his last year's coach was uh, 78, which would have been right before they drafted one certain Larry like, Bird. Yeah, because Bill Fitch, I believe, would have taken over right after that. And then Casey Jones in the mid-80s. Yeah, because, yeah, because Bill Fitch would have been with the, uh, the, the Rockets up until that point. No, he was with the Cavs first because he was the original coach of the Cavs up until I believe about 78, 79. And yeah, he got swiped up really fast and, and he ended up at New Jersey with the Nets and, and many places. A, yeah. a, a, tr- truly a legend among yeah. coaches. And, he's not a big name. And he coached the Twin Towers when they played the Celtics in 86 of Samson Elijahwan. Yeah, and also, again, another Hall of Famer. An interesting note about this episode, of which there is little interesting, a little girl is played by Amy D'Souza, who is the daughter of series creator Stephen D'Souza. Oh, that's nice. Yes, it is. So, what happened? Well, as I said earlier, it was, it was a dream of mine, uh, you know, a little too much uh, heavy antibiotics, and you, you totally space out at 5 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Okay, maybe that's not it. Mm-mm, maybe. But I'm looking at this show, and I'm sort of reminded of what happened with Super Train, in that it took a hard right into Crazy Town midway through, after a uh, whole... Corporate, uh, corporate metal, corporate meddling. Do I want to say corporate meddling? I'll say corporate meddling. There was some corporate meddling, and it just took a hard right into. Uh, okay, we did the show your way. Now we're going to do the show our way because your way isn't getting ratings. Just so happens that their way also was not getting ratings. An interesting thing, the show has a bit of a legacy. The Powers of Matthew Starr actually ranked on TV Guide's 50 Worst Shows of All Time, number 22. Is this the same list that had the Ropers on it? Probably. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, according to them, the Ropers was the 49th Worst Show of All Time. Yeah, my ass, it was the 49th Worst Show of All Time. But the powers of Matthew Star, yeah, that deserves to be on the 22nd worst show of all time. I don't care. There you go. Just, ugh, gosh. And I think we should add, it's actually in reruns now. That Again, yeah, that's how I saw it. Because it, it actually airs on 
It is on me TV. Me TV at like five or six in the morning on Sundays. Yeah. Again, Insomniac Theater, or in my case, if you can't fall asleep because of surgery you had a couple days earlier. There you go. So taking a look at the competition that was uh, it was up against, it aired uh, eight o'clock to nine o'clock Eastern on Friday nights. And there was a little show that aired on CBS at that time called the Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah. And ABC at that time, looked like it was just more or less putting in shows. They were showing different uh, movies and, Actually, the first week it was up against some sort of special with Miss Piggy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't uh, – it, it was sort of dead from the beginning. But then ABC, uh, later in that 82-83 uh, season, they uh, put Benson in at 8 o'clock. Oh. Oh, yeah, that'll that'll yeah. – Yeah, that'll do it. And surprisingly, what aired at 9 o'clock – on uh, NBC right after The Powers of Matthew Starr, a, a beloved show that had a decent run, Knight Rider. Yeah. And I oh, believe, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, that was that would have been, it, what, what was it, its it, second season? It would have, I think it would have just debuted, wouldn't it? Yeah, I thought 82 would be uh, the first season double, of Knight Rider. Let me just double check. Yeah, uh, that would be the first season of Knight Rider, which basically substitutes... Matthew Starr for David Hasselhoff and Walt Shepard for a talking car. Oh, yeah. Because honestly, let's be honest. People want to see William Daniels as a talking car. That's what people want to see. Give the people what they want. Yeah, but they missed out on Lou Gossett Jr. Well, Uh, Lou Gossett Jr., he's okay. Hey, he got an Oscar for. He got an Oscar. What? He he got an Oscar. What more does he have to prove? No, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely not. And he got Iron Eagle later. Oh God. Yep. And Enemy Mine. Can we can we talk about Enemy Mine again? Yeah, be much better than talking about the powers of Matthew Starr. Yeah. And you know what else uh, Luke Gossett has done? What? He signed cards in Americana. He had trading cards in Americana. Oh, yeah. I forgot he did. Yeah. Oh, no. What are you doing? No, 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 no. I know what you're thinking. The answer is no. Oh, thank God. Because honestly, what could you you find for that sort of thing? No, I was just making the connection that I thought Lou Gossett Jr. had a card in that series. And actually, I think uh, somewhere in my collection, I have a swatch card of his. from. I did. I I do think I did get a swatch of his from Americana like years ago. That's in one of my binders. Yeah, I think I pulled one from uh, one of the boxes of Americana that I purchased again, like 14 years ago at this point. And I think I only bought that as a gag because my brother loves Iron Eagle so much. Hey, Iron Eagle made Lou Gossett Jr.'s career, okay? No, an officer and a gentleman did. No. Being an Americana did. Just admit it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what do we have to say about the powers of Matthew Starr? Uh, the powers of Matthew Star. Hey, Harv Bennett produced it. 
Walter Koenig wrote an episode. Leonard Nimoy directed directed an episode. Lou Gossett directed another episode. And put it all together. You know what you have? You have a thing on TV. I also think you have empirical evidence that apparently I didn't have a fever dream. Well, you'd be the first or the last or however. But again, Powers of Matthew Star, if you are so interested, it it actually airs on me TV in your local area, if I'm not mistaken, at six thirty in the morning on Saturdays. Let Holy, me they changed time slots. Let wow. me check. I got me well, maybe in the your area. I gotta check my area. Well, while Greg checks that out, it's also available on DVD. Yeah. The, the whole series was released on DVD in 2018, for better or for worse. Okay, the Powers of Matthew store, at least here in New York, airs on the MeTV affiliate at 6 in the morning on Sundays. Okay, so it's 6 in the morning. Yep, it, it airs at 6 in the morning here, too. Because uh, we get MeTV on a Oh my god, it airs right before Saved by the Bell. <laughs> what a great oh, combination. No. You get Lou Gossett Jr. And then you get Zach Morris. Who is trash. Who is trash, as we've already mentioned. And he's also Dash. He's trash and Dash. To think that guy goes on to be the governor of California. Yeah. I'm looking at this BTV Saturday morning schedule, and it's basically Saturday morning fever dreams all day. You wake up with Saved by the Bell, you go to bed with Columbo. With Peter Falk as Columbo. It's good stuff. You know what else is good stuff? What? Our website. It was a thing on TV.com where you can find all of our episodes, our mini-sodes, our live shows, uh, our social media feeds, and of course, uh, links to our good friends at the Place to Be Nation. What do we have this week, Greg? Well, this week we have, oh, we got Little Bush. But we also got the AF, and we also got that stupid Barack Obama commemorative gold plate. To which you can. Do, do not eat off of Obama's face. Do not no, eat off of Please don't eat. Those plates, those are meant to be a cherished family heirloom for generations to come. They should not be eaten on. But I got to say something. Okay, we saw in the ad how they had the electoral vote count as undetermined, getting 27 electoral votes. I hope to God they corrected that later. Or, or did the American Historic Society was like, no. No one's going to care. It looks good to us. It looks good. It looks good. It looks good. Looks good. Oh, it looks good. Looks Looks good. Oh, it looks good. It looks good. Oh, it looks good. It looks good. Oh, it looks good. It looks good. It looks good. Oh, it looks good. No, I'm not not saying any more. Yeah. All I can say is don't forget to look us up where all fine podcasts can be streamed. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're on our YouTube, don't forget to hit our button, our bell. Hit our bell. 
Ding. So, so you can be updated on future things on TV. And don't forget to tell your friends because we want those subscribers. Oh yeah. We we want that YouTube money. We want, we want that, that we want that Google money. We want that F money. But next episode, guys, this is a show from a series that has been on for 60 years. And as we mentioned, there's a lot of famous people that are on this show, not only on the panel, but also that made guest appearances on this show. Oh, God. And the current version of this show is full of them. Yes. But we're not going to talk about that because no. the current version is awesome. Yeah. So we'll talk about that next time right here. It was a thing on TV. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you later on this week. Well, I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else.